become a nightmare Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town Like a cancer that's silently spreading There's an unspoken fear We're on our way down We must eat America back Main Street to Wall Street Cities and states Washington, D.C. Before it's too late, there's not long We need leaders who lead us Not stick us and bleed us Then ransom our future And our children's, that's wrong Broadcasting from my home studio in downtown Belmont, Pennsylvania, worldwide on the Public Broadcasting Network, Mojo 50 Radio, Patriot Nation Radio Network. I'm the Thursday host of National Intel Report on Republic Broadcasting and host Liberty Lighthouse everywhere else. I'm Peter Serafine, and I'm here to remind you free speech is not free. So if you're listening or watching this, this broadcast from any of those free speech networks, Give them some love, support them, buy their stuff, share out the links, something that we can all do that's absolutely free. Share out links, especially if you're watching, because, you know, nobody watches video, my videos anyway. So uh, show me some love, share out the links. I put them all in the chat where you can watch them if you're on there in the video. You can look at the chat messages and there's several links to several profiles. Anyway, tonight, it's the first Thursday in April, April 6th, and the first Thursday of the month, the first show of the month, every month, I've got uh, Brent Hamacek coming on at the bottom of this first hour, and at the top of the second hour, Dave Summerall is going to be joining us. And, well, before we get to Dave Summerall and Brent Hamacek, I want to talk about something that I learned about in junior high, maybe high school. water and food in that order then you got shelter you've got you know being able to sleep and your clothing and reproduction those are all physiological needs those are the base of maslow's hierarchy of needs once you have all of those things then as a human being you start to look at the next thing on that list which would be your safety needs these are your your personal security, your you know, employment, having resources, your health, gaining property, safety needs, right? So physiological, then safety. Then once you have those things, you move into love and belonging, you know, friendships and intimacy and 
family in, having a sense of connection to someone, something, maybe your community. That's those are called the love and belonging needs. That's third up the list. Then you move up to esteem. And esteem is respect and your own personal self-esteem and your status in life or in society, recognition for what you've done, your own personal strength and freedom. That's esteem. And then last, the the highest point on Maslow's hierarchy of needs is self-actualization. Actualization, self-actualization. And this is the desire to be the most that you can possibly be. Now, it's hard to worry about being the most that you can possibly be if you're worried about your own personal safety. So the whole idea of this Maslow's hierarchy of needs that we all learned about probably in high school or so, well, that's that was all done by Abraham Maslow, uh, I want to say the 1940s. And it's become a pretty common piece of, of uh, you know, social teachings. And one of the things that's interesting about it is that we here in the United States, we, in our founding documents, mention happiness happiness life liberty and the pursuit of happiness now happiness would be way up there on this list right this we're we're talking esteem and self actualization levels like the top two levels of maslow's hierarchy and we mentioned happiness in our founding documents and to my knowledge we're the first and probably still the only country to ever mention happiness of the citizenry in its founding documents. That's pretty interesting to me. But if you want to call and discuss any of this, this is a live call-in broadcast, so you can do that. 512-248-8252 or toll-free 800-313-9443. I bring up Maslow's hierarchy of needs because I believe, well, I believe this basically spells out what's wrong with America today. What's wrong with our society as it exists today? Anybody want to hazard a guess of how I believe Maslow pinpointed the problems with our society? Well, I think that we in the United States, since, well, probably the early 1900s, we have climbed so high up this list as a society that we're now working on the whole self-actualization, wow, I can't say that word tonight, self-actualization goals I think that is where the, the the transgender movement comes in maybe it's an 
esteem. But anyway, the top two levels of this pyramid. The top two levels of this pyramid is where we have, as a society have been because we haven't had to worry about the bottom two or three levels for a really long time in this country. And we haven't had to worry about them for so long that we've kind of forgotten about them. Now, I, I say all the time that the COVID pandemic, pandemic, scandemic, whatever you want to call it, the COVID phenomena shined a big bright light on a lot of our problems in this country. And I think that's true here, too. Because when the COVID pandemic hit, there are a lot of people in this country who were afraid, who got scared of a virus that may or may not have even existed. I don't know. But because they were afraid, they dropped down on this hierarchy of needs. They no longer worried about esteem and respect and status. Now they were worried about their own personal safety. But then, the outward signs of worrying about your own personal safety, well, they led to belonging and esteem because the mask, the mask became the symbol of fitting in with the good guys. See, Maslow spelled this out, like I said, way back in the 1940s. And it explains a lot about human nature. You know, water is another great example of, of how things can move up and down on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. How much are you in the United States of America? How much are you willing to pay for water? Water's plentiful. It's inexpensive. It's even free. Falls from the sky. So we here in the United States of America, well, we're, we don't, we're not willing to pay that much for water. But pick you up and put you in the middle of a desert where there is no water, you would give anything for a drop of water or a small bottle of water. Every, nothing else matters. Because water, it's, it's, it's number two need of a human being. You know, you got air, you have to be able to breathe, and then you need water. But when water is everywhere and it's cheap and it's plentiful, you forget how important that it is. Well, here in the United States, everything has been cheap and plentiful for a really long time. Our entire paradigm, our point of view, is based on how plentiful life is in the United States. So let's go to the phones. We got Patrick in Texas on line one. Welcome to the show, Patrick. Uh, yes, thank you very much. Uh, you know, I, I think we need to, like, you know, put a stick our toe in a pool here to See where where this is all going back. One thing is uh, Lincoln, you know, it was uh, William uh, Pierce 
uh, that was the last president because Lincoln was not eligible, eligible to be a president. He was a bar attorney, and uh, he, he was a communist in Illinois, and they basically just bought the presidency for $6 million. Um, and, uh, and, and another Jew, as a matter of fact, is uh, Roosevelt, 1935, he created the, uh, you know, all these 250 agencies, and uh, there's only one problem. He didn't have the uh, constitutional authority to do that. And, uh, You're right. So there was, you know, the uh, Administrative Authorization Act, I believe it was, and, uh, you know, and they gave them all full autonomy to be judge, jury, and executioner so they can, you know, be self-perpetual. They, they can, they can, they can uh, find people and then add to their coffers. You know, it's just an outrageous breach of the law. Um, and then uh, the... Right. Uh, the uh, well, hold on, before you move on, one thing at a time, just so we can actually have a conversation. So, administration or Administrative Authorization Act, 200 or now 440 federal departments and agencies, completely violates the separation of powers. We've talked about, about, about this before. You know, Article 1, Section 8 says that only Congress can pass laws. But if you've got laws, regulations, being passed by some agency, it's a, it's a, you know, regulation is a de facto law. So that is an unconstitutional separation violation. The other is the separation between who writes the laws and who enforces the laws. So if you've got, say, the Environmental Protection Agency writing regulation and then oh look they have their own law enforcement that's a violation of the separation of powers that goes against the entire concept of our country because one branch is supposed to write the laws and a different branch is supposed to enforce the laws so you made some great points there yeah, that, that's correct. Yeah, it's like uh, it's Congress is the only one that's supposed to make that makes laws. How, but they're really supposed to just pay like a bill. They're supposed to be paying bills. They're not really supposed to be making laws. You know, it's like uh, you have to do a constitutional convention, uh, or uh, I mean, uh, you know, uh, uh, amendment, constitutional amendment to actually change the law of the land of everybody. Um, and they, they do that one time under prohibition. They did, they actually did it right. And they got, you know, they got, they, they had to take it, they had to take it back because the people didn't like that at all. Uh, but other than that, they, they just, they just keep on going. And, you know, they just like, a, like, a, like, a, like FDR, you know, he created the, uh, this act, you know, that gave him powers to make these agencies. Well, you know, he doesn't have a constitutional right to do So the Constitution doesn't make a damn these people. You know, they just, they just do it and then, you know, catch me if you can. It's, and, um, Surely. you know, they, uh, yeah, it's like talking about separation of, separation of powers. It's like you know, it's like it was the equal branches, but the uh, the administrative uh, the uh, executive branch under under the president, he's overweighted his tremendously, and he made himself a dictator. You know, and, uh, you know, because there's they're not equal anymore. You know, he uh, he runs the Department of Justice, and uh, that's, that's basically his own protection agency. Uh, you know, as Attorney General. Uh, and uh, you know, and he you know, he created the FBI. It was a, uh, it was uh, you know, it was actually not him, but it was uh, Teddy Roosevelt wanted to uh, wanted uh, to to do what Nixon did, 
is a spy on the uh, competition, so he created the FBI. The Congress refused to pass it. He did it anyway. You know, so it just you know, it doesn't make any difference. You know, they just they're, they're a bunch of gangsters, and we now know who they they they, they, they dropped the mask, you know, and uh, and it's right there for everybody. Um, you know, it's like uh, General uh, General Lee said, you know, uh, you know, uh, if these people win this war. They're going to be a bully abroad and a tyrant at home. And everybody knows who they are. It's just that they're afraid to say it. Um, but they, they run they run England. You know, they, uh, they, uh, in the 1500s, they completely took it over uh, under Cromwell. And, uh, you know, he, 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 he killed, they conspired to kill the Catholic king. They, uh, they stole all the Catholic church's property. And um, and, all, and all the uh, Catholics had to basically run for their lives, or be they be become slaves. They would make them slaves. It's you know the and the same thing is here in America. You know the the, the Revolutionary War. It was a uh, Rothschild hired the Hessian mercenaries with King George, and uh, so they was working together. And then in uh, 1812, you know uh, uh, Jefferson refused to renew the charter to the central bank, and uh, and and uh, Rothschild said, you know, renew the charter, there's going to be war. He declared war on us in 1812, and, and Jefferson stood his ground, didn't take it. If it wasn't for Andrew Jackson, you know, Colonel Jackson in, 19, in 1814 took a little trip. If he wouldn't have been a, a, such a strong, you know, stonewall you know, man who could, you know, he's known to rattle when he walked because of all the dueling he used to do. Now, he was a badass, and he's he, he, the only thing to stop them from, from basically taking over the government. They already burnt D.C. They they burnt all our archives. You know, it's it's just a long string of abuses. It, it definitely is a long string of abuses, and it goes back. I personally think that the worst of it started um, right around. Uh, you know, Woodrow Wilson. And, and to tie it back into how I started this show, talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we had had such good life, such good success in the United States from the beginning of the Constitution up until the late 1800s, early 1900s, that we, the people, took our eye off the government. The average person walking the streets in the United States of America in, say, 1890 didn't have any interaction with the federal government at all. They, you know, it's those people, whatever. Historians so refer to that it, to, uh, to, we stopped uh, to Jefferson. And then we ended up electing this guy. We ended up electing this guy, Woodrow Wilson, who comes into office and basically thinks himself a king. And he thinks that the Bill of Rights, well, doesn't really matter to him. And that, as a matter of fact, we should update it and create a new progressive Bill of Rights. And, you know, we get what we paid for, so to speak. We, as people, took our eyes off the ball. And, the and, and you know, what happens to all governments happens. You know, tyrants and dictator, people of dictatorial tendencies snuck in. Yep. That's, you know, that is a Jefferson, the historians refer to the Jeffersonian democracy because we were the freest, richest nations in the world. We were, everybody was just, you know, we were just wealthy. 
and uh, you know, and then they had, and then they referred to it like you know, before Jesus Christ, after Jesus Christ, then they call it Lincolnian democracy, and that's where you come to you know, thirteen years of reconstruction and and uh, carpetbaggers and and just every you know, just destroyed this country in so many ways. It's unimaginable. They you know, they they had all their carpetbagger governors and. Uh, in fact, in Arkansas, they, they brought in, the, the governor bought 20, 28,000 rifles and going to give it to all the blacks there to hunt down the last whites because the last weren't allowed to hold government office or anything anymore. And they were just basically trying to scratch a living out. And uh, the Lehman Brothers and Bruce come down and, and stole all the property pennies on the dollar is what they do every time after they start, uh, you know, Everybody's, you know, scratching for making paying payments and stuff. They come back and repossess everything, and uh, you know, so, yeah, this it was a reconstruct. We never it would never really stop. We still got the female the female uh, camps are basically the government uh, government zones. It's identical, you know. And they, and people say that we're still under martial law, you know. <laughs> you know and uh, but, but you know they, they own the media, so and they got us. And, they, and the Rockefeller took over the education system. We have, we can, they can't, the teachers can't talk about this. They don't have a free will to talk anymore. So it's up to us. Sorry, Patrick. Mm-hmm. Patrick, you, you're all over the place. we got to stick to one topic or it gets way too confusing for the radio. Um, I'm going to have to let you go because I got uh, Mike on the line and only a couple of minutes but thank you for your call always appreciate it and the one thing i do want to say is you're absolutely right jeffersonian democracy has been dead well probably since just about jefferson so moving on kentucky mike in kentucky on line three welcome to the show mike well just on a side note uh he's confused uh the west virginia native actually born in virginia before it was absconded with i call it the rockefeller plantation the state of west virginia only state made from a state without that state's permission almost heaven because it's not quite kentucky west virginia anyway stonewall jackson was born in western virginia prior to the war between the states andrew jackson was a different guy that was president so stonewall is a civil war guy and andrew jackson's not one of the funniest things in history though that i ever heard and i don't know why they don't teach this at school but uh let me take this up off speakerphone i just realized anyway andrew jackson's parrot had to be kicked out of his funeral for cussing it's one of the funniest uh things about <laughs> his story if you just i mean like who taught him to cuss you know and uh, i'm sure the the right honorable Brits uh, at that time, and probably a lot of them still do consider us a bunch of pirates occupying uh, the colonies without authority or some crap, you know, rebels. But um, uh, anyway, I just I mentioned that. But um, the uh, yeah, the, the level of corruption here is just ridiculous, and I think at some point you may start seeing, besides you know things like Black Lives Matter. You might start seeing some uh, spontaneous, leaderless Luddite situations. Um, over on LinkedIn, I ran across this uh, wonderful uh, public relations thing on uh, people are posting from the Internet of Things, tech news. And uh, it's, you know, I don't know if they're soliciting for investments or whatever. This Ryan Dawes is uh, giving the glowing announcements here that, 
might as well be public relations, you know, building the long-range, low-bandwidth network covering more than 90% of the U.S. population um, is the uh, Amazon's uh, third-party device makers are now being integrated into Amazon's long-range Internet of Things, known as Sidewalk. And so uh, there's a, you know, a whole spectrum of things that people in England have started doing when, you know, they became a surveillance state with all these cameras. And uh, just right. a list of... Oh. It, gotta cut you off. It is break time. Right. Thanks for your call, Mike. Be back in about three minutes, friends. If you live stream, I want you to check out Restream. Restream is how this broadcast is being simultaneously sent to YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, DLive, and Rumble. Not only that, but your guests can also pair their video platforms with your broadcast and have your broadcast on your platforms and their platforms all at the same time. Go to liberty-lighthouse.com slash restream, and I'll save you $10 off for the premium service that I know you're going to want. That's liberty-lighthouse.com slash restream. You're tuned in to the National Intel Report, the real talk radio show. Hey, welcome back to the National Intel Report. I'm Peter, your Thursday host. Just to wrap up some stuff from the last segment, we've got a message here from uh, <laughs> Hugh, Hugh Janus. I love that profile name. Anyway, he says, uh, referring to the LoRa technology, the last caller was referring to the LoRa technology, and he said to to uh, look up LoRa WAN or meshtastic.org if you want to learn more and that same person says that the amazon sidewalk is flooding the rf spectrum uh, to prevent free people to for, uh, keep us from from uh, using the tech and as i promised we have a guest with us now mr brent hemacek uh brenthemacek.com how are you sir couldn't be any better. It's nice to be back. Uh, can't believe a month has gone by. Hey, I, I, when my guests are excited to come back, I, I guess I'm doing something right. You're doing something right. I'm excited to come back. I mean, at my age, anybody that'll talk to me that's not wearing a nurse's uniform is kind of a, a joy, right? So, so this is a big <laughs> deal. I'm happy. That's some funny stuff. So I went to, uh, you know, I, usually try to do a little research on, on who's coming and what they want to talk about. So I went to human events and I was, you know, cause that's how I know you through is human events. And I went to human events.com and I was looking around. I didn't see you there anymore. Are, well, are I'm, you... I'm, well, I'm, st- I'm, I'm still there. I'm just promoted out of the platform. So um, it, when the last time we were sitting here, I was the executive editor and now I'm the vice president and associate publisher. And uh, quite honestly, I, I took my own picture off the website uh, simply because, um, I mean, it might sound silly or trite almost, but it's time for different people to have their day, right? And Good. so it's, uh, 
it's it's been a very fun run in the editor's role and i've enjoyed it and still very active with the organization obviously but in terms of having my picture on the website and that sort of thing um there's first of all there's a whole lot of folks in the organization who are easier on the eye uh, and and secondly it's it's time to pass that mantle well, I, I say all the time, you know, this is primarily radio show. I just turn on the camera because, you know, a couple of people like to see this ugly mug for some reason. I, I have a face for radio. I'm captivated um, by you. I'm I'm losing my attention, actually, as we speak. But, <laughs> it's so. the beard, isn't it? Yeah, it is the beard. <laughs> so um, I wanted to uh, to uh, point out something I saw on your website. The uh, here I get it. I, um, how America broke its wings. That. Wow. Sounds like an interesting read. Well, wow, it's uh, it's been a while. It's kind of funny that you bring it up uh, in this particular month, and I'll I'll explain why. Uh, first, let me share what what the publication is, and if people go to my website, they can actually download the PDF, and they'll notice. You can see right on the cover. Of course, you can't see it on radio, but uh, you'll see on my site that it's a Turning Point USA publication, and there's a wonderful story behind this. So. Back before I met Charlie Kirk 10 years ago, when he was just starting Turning Point USA, I had constructed on my own a political theory, little little political, a little historical, and a little sociological about the real political structure in America and how it came to be. And uh, I sat with Charlie once at breakfast a year or so into our relationship, and, and I started to share it with him. And by the time I was done, he said, we have to publish this. And so I wrote it. And uh, after I wrote it, picked up some attention. Uh, the Intercollegiate Studies Institute also picked it up and distributed it. I got to speak at a few academic conferences, which was fun. You know, you had all the professors and then you had this erstwhile business guy who has, you know, turned into a rogue philosopher uh, talking to students. And uh, it's interesting that you bring it up in this particular month, because at the end of this month, uh, up in southeastern Wisconsin, I'm going to be addressing uh, the Lincoln Day dinner. And when I do that, I'm going to revive this work and I'm going to make it a little more contemporary, bring it up to date and talk to the audience about it. But the premise is simply this, that when we use the terms right wing and left wing in this country, they are absolutely functionally meaningless. They have no meaning whatsoever. They're just pejorative terms. Uh, you can't define what they are. Uh, if you do what I've done in, in lecture rooms for a long time and show different you know, audience members pictures of two people on a screen and say who's more right wing or who more, who's more left wing, you'll get definitive answers from different people citing exactly opposite reasons why one or the other is more of what. But the truth is there's no such thing as right wing and left wing. It's garbage. But what we do have in this country are two political teams. We have a team right and a team left. And those teams are structured with platoons. You can think of it as sort of the pro-choice folks are on team left and the pro-life folks are on team right. And you can run through that list of issues. And what I learned by interviewing people over a long period of time is that people tend to wind up on one team or another based on what their strongest issue is. Quick example of that, a woman I talked to here in the North Shore area of Chicago who on 17 out of 18 issues voted the way you would think that what we call a conservative would vote, right, when I asked her opinion. But when it came to the abortion issue, she was very much pro-choice. 
and that's her most passionate issue. And when we were all done, she made it very clear to me that she would never vote for a Republican. So this team affiliation, and there's a hierarchy with it, and it moves, what it allows you to do is it allows you to take anything that's happening in the news and instantly predict what the reactions will be from whom and how it will play out in media and in the streets. And so it's been very effective. It's 10 years old now or so, and uh, super fun that you asked me about it. Well, it was the top thing in your, uh, in, in, was it your thoughts? What, what, how, what do you have a page? Your thoughts and happenings. Thoughts it was and the happenings. top article in your thoughts and happenings page. And, and it is, you know, from, from uh, February of two years ago. But it was the top thing there, and I and I thought, you know, hey, well, what's this? I did download it, and unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to read it. I really wanted to read it before I had John tonight, but I didn't get there. Um, I do most of my reading in audiobook form. I'm a, a mailman. I spend five hours a day driving around delivering mail, so I get my phone to read things to me while I'm sure. out there. Yep. Um, unfortunately, uh, my my little text reader was uh, was on the fritz, and I just couldn't get it to work and. You know, I haven't had a chance to do it yet, but I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna read it before you come back next month, and uh, we can have a discussion about it because, um, I mean, the whole the 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 uh, full title was "How America Broke Its Wings: The Cause and Effect of the Right Left Divide and How to Repair It." And of course, I think everybody's interested in the how to repair it. All right, let me rephrase that. I think everybody. Who isn't hasn't been sucked into the right left paradigm is interested in how to repair. Right, our our political leaders are certainly not at all interested no. in in repairing it. And by political leaders, I don't mean just people that run for office. I mean if you if you run Black Lives Matter, for example, you're a political leader. You've got a political mm-hmm. organization, and so people that uh, make money and derive power and privilege and prestige from running organizations and organizing people, uh, those folks don't want this team structure to end. And they want it to continue because by its very definition, you know, two, two teams compete. And so long as there's a way to, a reason to compete, people are going to be drawn to wanting to contribute um, money and do things for you and all that, all that other good stuff. Right. So, Keeping us divided is actually a goal. And I think if people can understand and come to understand how it is we're divided, then they might be able to make some sense out of it because we keep, again, using these terms far left and far right, and they don't mean anything. Think of it this way. Here's a real simple example. How many people do you know who will say, wow, that guy is a far left loon, right? You know, all kinds of people that say that. Now, how many people say, I'm a right-wing nut? Nobody says it. In fact, they don't even use the term unless they're using the opposite term and they're insulting somebody else. Oh, so no, I call myself a right-wing nut all the time. Well, well good. You're, uh, you're the exception that proves, proves the rule. Uh, but for the most part, they're just pejorative insults. And most people don't even know where the terms came from. Uh, they came from the French Revolution and uh, the, uh, the General Assembly, uh, where the... Uh, the uh, uh, monarchy and the the members of the first estate were sitting on the right, and the commoners, uh, the members 
of the third estate were sitting on the left. And uh, that was the structure inside of the house. And over time, uh, we had uh, the rise of communism. And in the Soviet Union, when uh, that came to be, uh, a revolution that Lenin patterned and to a large extent after the French Revolution, we placed communism on the left side of that continuum. And uh, then a little while later, we had the rise of Nazi Germany and we had to go to war. Hitler and Stalin were really basically the same guy, right? There are a couple of bloodthirsty murderers. So how do you side with one to fight the other? That's easy. You make them opposites. So what we did is we dropped fascism on the right side of the political continuum and made it the opposite of communism. These things are all drivel. That's a historical convenience we did. It's almost like it was done for propaganda. And then no. the rest is, yeah, and the rest is all developed in that, that short booklet. So I would love it if your audience went and read it. And I'd especially love it if they read it and then wrote to me and shared their thoughts. Because I love, love, love uh, to get notes from people, critical or otherwise, just sharing what they think. And I always respond. Well, I, I, you're absolutely right. If you if you look at the, the tenets of communism and the tenets of fascism, there, there really isn't much difference other than, you know, in under fascism, you allow private business to supposedly exist. You just control it from the government level, which is functionally the same thing as just owning everything yourself as a government. So, yeah, I never really understood the idea of how we uh, we chose to call the uh, the Nazis and the fascists right wing extremists. But yet the, the communists and socialists are left-wing extremists. I, I, I never did understand that other than it's just a made-up construct, like you just said. Right. Well, it's kind of fun. So I'll take a, a photo and I'll put it up side by side of Ted Cruz and Rand Paul. And I'll ask people, you know, who's more right-wing? And some people will say Ted Cruz is. And you say, why? Well, he's, he's, very, he's religious and he, you know, this whole thing. And, and they go through that. Okay, and somebody will say Rand Paul, and say, "Well, why is Rand Paul more right wing?" Well, he's a libertarian. He's you know believes in less government, minimal government, and the whole bit. Say, "All right, great." Then I put up the next slide, and it's Rand Paul and Adolf Hitler. I say, "All right, who's more right wing?" And then it all falls apart, (laughs) right? Because then people very quickly realize, "Oh my God, this is garbage," and it is garbage. It's it's Mm -hmm. absolute garbage, and it's it's intellectually sloppy. For starters, I mean, people who use the term intellectually are just sloppy, but people who use it casually as regular citizens are cheating themselves because they're not allowing themselves to think through what's really going on. And the booklet that you mentioned is my attempt to try to offer an explanation as to what's going on and a different way to look at things. All right. So everybody go out there, everybody listening Go out to brenthamacek.com, click on the uh, Thoughts and Happenings tab, and you will see how America broke its wings. And uh, you, right at the top of the page, it's the first thing listed. Yeah, Click that link, and right there is the How America Broke Its Wings downloadable PDF. So everybody can go download it for free. And give Brent your thoughts, because I'm anxious to read it. I, I'm really disappointed in myself for not getting it read before I had you oh, on this. Gosh, don't, don't be. I'm, uh, it's, I'm grateful you brought it up at all. One of the things 
I point out to people a little bit now, since many years later, I've written so many books and written so many essays and articles and opinion pieces and so on, all of which have had the benefit of professional editing. I always like to point out that this was published in the early days of Turning Point when they didn't have a professional editing staff. So as you read through it, you'll find some errors. Don't be too proud of yourself uh, if you catch something along the way. Uh, fully acknowledge the fact that there's there's some stuff in there that a professional copy editor would have caught. Me, I can't proofread. My my brain's not capable. But the thoughts I, are good. Just just my, forgive my, the my first book. I hired a, uh, a, a um, an English major, like a master's student, to uh, to proofread it for me. <laughs> well, <laughs> was, I, I was... thought when I was turning it into a college organization, I sort of took that for granted, but. Uh, it looked a serious thing about writing for Turning Point. I did have the opportunity, including this piece, to write uh, six of what would have been their first seven pieces of foundational literature, uh, literature that they used for the better part of a full decade. And uh, it's fun to go back to a Turning Point event now, and somebody will say to me, wow, you, you know, I read Capitalism Cures, and you know, you made the, the social justice defense of capitalism and that book, you know, that booklet changed my life. It changed the way I looked at free markets. And, you know, it, it's really nice to know that when you get an opportunity to contribute something to young people that years later, then you, you get that chance to hear from them that it actually made a difference. And, uh, you know, so people thank me and I just thank them for reading the stuff and having the opportunity to write it and share the ideas, especially I think Charlie Kirk. If Charlie hadn't spotted some sort of latent talent in me, I wouldn't be on this show with you today. All roads lead to this show. And um, <laughs> no, no Charlie Kirk, no, no interview with the two of us today. Uh, I, well, if I ever meet Charlie, I guess I'll, I owe him a thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's a thing. I hope it's a thank you. <laughs> oh, so what's, what are you up to now? I mean, uh, you, you've taken a, a back, back, I don't know, behind the stage sort of uh, position at, at uh, Human Events. So what, what's your, uh, what are you working on? Well, what, uh, what I'm working on now and uh, what I love to share with your audience and every audience is the Common Ground Campus program that uh, my partner, Felissa Blazek, and I uh, created about a year ago. We had our first event at the University of Georgia a year ago this month. Uh, so a bit of an anniversary time for us. And uh, the, the program is one that is designed to have college or high school students, we've done one at a high school, uh, come together on an issue that is divisive on their campus. And uh, instead of debating that issue on stage in front of their peers, we have them identify both sides of the issue identify different specific areas of concern uh, or, or problems or whatever it might be, things that bother them about the issue. And then we have the other side ask them questions and why does this matter to you? Where are you coming from? That sort of thing. We go back and forth and I moderate these events. And, uh, and what we do is we try to find common ground and uh, we film the events. We have a pizza party afterwards uh, for the audience and the attendees and, uh, and my partner who plans them uh, just does an extraordinary job of putting the events together and then uh, editing and working with the film afterwards. And I would encourage your audience, if they want to see something kind of different, 
to go to commongroundcampus.com, easy site to remember, right? And, and take a look, and in particular, take a look at the videos we just did at West Virginia University, where we took on the new state law uh, that permits uh, concealed carry on campus. And we had students who were really seriously concerned about this, right? And, uh, and we got them together, and the feedback from the audience was tremendous. The feedback from the participants was tremendous. Um, we're doing something. Uh, we had a representative from Duke University tell us just a few weeks ago. He said, look, you guys, nobody, nobody is doing what you're doing. And nobody is. And so it's unique. And, um, you know, you talk about a learning curve all the time. You go back and you look at our first videos and the clips from the University of Georgia a year ago. And uh, then you take a look at what we did at West Virginia. And you'll see that we've climbed the learning curve quickly and beautifully in terms of film production quality. But the events at their core are still the same. And we're getting students to come together and speak in a way that they're not used to. I like to say that we're trying to get rid of hate in the third person. And uh, it's more difficult to hate somebody if they're sitting across the stage from you than it is if they're sitting in their own basement on their own computer screen and you're sitting in your home on yours. So um, we know we can't solve the nation's problems, but we also know we can do what we can. And I'm, I'm proud of uh, Felissa and I for doing what we can, right? We're, we're not just sitting in our armchair bitching about it, as if I might say that on the radio. Uh, we're actually out trying to do something. And I encourage people to take a look and come and support us and join us and um, help, help us in, in trying to reach young people with a positive message. Yeah, I, I think it's a brilliant idea. Uh, anytime we can get two people with opposing views to actually sit down and and learn the other side's position and how they can come to some form of common ground is is brilliant. I mean, it's it's the opposite of what the social media uh, generation has has done to us as a nation. We we all go on our you know preferred social media platform and gripe and groan and complain about whatever it is that we want to complain about. But we do that, even if your name is on your profile and stuff, it's still relatively anonymous. You're not face-to-face with the person that you're arguing with. And that makes right. a huge difference. Oh, it does. And I, I liken it. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just say, I commend you for it. It's, it's a brilliant idea. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Look, I liken it to sort of this digital form of road rage. You know, we, we all know the, the story of being in your car wrapped in metal and, and hard to break glass going 60 miles an hour on the highway and somebody does something you don't like and you, you know, you feel insulated and powerful and invincible. So you flip them off or you mouth some insult at them or whatever it might be. And because they're going 60 miles an hour too and you think nothing's going to happen. But let that same person pull into the same gas station right behind you a moment later off the highway and now how are you going to behave? Now, that's because that confrontation is uncomfortable and might even be fearful. But what we're trying to do is remove the ease with which we can just hate strangers across a, a screen. And we're trying to make the engagement personal. And, and it's like anything else, right? Our, our real hope then is for people who participate, for people who are in the audience, for people who watch the videos, is that once you see it, you can't unsee it. And then you can't, it becomes that sort of angel on your shoulder, 
right? So the next time you go to want to aggressively insult somebody that doesn't agree with you, you're going to say, oh, good, that common ground thing, right? I'm not supposed to do that. Why don't I try asking them where they're coming from here and, and try to figure out what this means to them? And, and how often have you had the experience just in your regular life? We've all had this a million times where you sit down with somebody and say, by the time you're done, you'll say, wow, we're not as far apart as I thought we were. Well, that's, no, that's what that we're trying to do. Things. Yeah, that's what we're trying to do. I just realized, you know, 23 minutes after you joined the show, I made an introduction for you and I forgot to play it. And now, patriot, entrepreneur, and author, Brent Hamachek. I I was supposed to play that as you were coming on, and I completely forgot. I absolutely, I don't think anybody's ever custom made uh, an introduction for me before, except maybe in a courtroom. I don't know. Uh, I love it. So <laughs> well, that's thank you do. for that. Yeah, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Okay, so the common ground idea is brilliant. I love it. Um, everybody needs to go to commongroundcampus.com. And being that I'm in central Pennsylvania, I want to know immediately if you get invited to Penn State. We would love to go to uh, we would love to go to Penn State. You know, the um, my partner is putting together a, a wonderful local project in um, at Rye Beach in New Hampshire on April 15th. And and it's a beach cleanup and a flag raising event. I say flag raising. It's really the unfurling of a giant half a football size field flag that will be held by all the young participants. And you say, well, that's not the program you just described. No, it isn't. But yes, it is. So what we have at Common Ground are two different sides to what we do. One is called Bridging the Divide. And that's the program I mentioned on campus where we take on issues. And the other program is simply called Bridge to Tomorrow, where what we do is put together a variety of different team building sort of community type events that are designed to bring people together and say, hey, why don't you check your why don't you check your differences uh, at, in this case, you know, check them at the side of the beach, take your shoes off, take your differences off, walk out on the beach, clean it up, forget who you thought you were when you came out here and just get along. Let's raise a flag. We'll play a little music and we'll just get along for a bit. And and if that if that has a Rodney King sound to it, it shouldn't because that was fake and this is real. And again, we're just trying to give people experiences where they can walk away and say, wow, those, those people, you know, I, I never met somebody from Turning Point before. They seem like a normal person. You know, I never met somebody from Democracy Matters before. I thought they were all a bunch of left wing loons. Right. And and you engage with them and you clean up a beach and you, you hold a flag and you play a little music. And you say, wow, it turns out, I guess we're just regularly people. And we'll see what we can do with that. We're all human beings. Yeah, we're all, yeah, that's we're all human I love beings. It. I love it. I'm going to have to let you go. We're coming up to the end of the, the segment. I got Dave Summerall coming on after you. When I invited Dave to uh, come on monthly, he said he was going to back clean up after you. So the next time <laughs> you see Dave Summerall. You... But, uh, D- Dave, Dave's a little bit of a bigger league hitter than I am. Uh, I, I think I'm just, I'm the warm-up act in the Borscht Belt here. So, uh, say say hi to Dave and, and thank you for having me on. Thanks. I'll see you next month.
Yes, you will. It gives me a reason to live another 30 days, and I was looking for one. <laughs> Thank you very much. Have a great night. Awesome stuff. I think the Common Ground Campus sounds like brilliant work that more of us need to be doing. And the the fact that, you know, we're, I don't know, you know, the left and the right, we, we don't seem to get along with everything. I, I agree with Brent. We're not that far different. We all have the same goal. Most of us have the same goal. We often differ on how to achieve that goal. And the example I use all the time is free health care. Who doesn't want free health care? Free health care sounds like a brilliant idea. Those that are supposedly on the left camp, well, they want the government to pay for it. Those of us on the right camp do not want the government to pay for it. In my personal opinion, I I don't think the government's ever done anything effectively or efficiently. So why would I want them in charge of my health care? So same goal, different objective, different ideas of how to get there. I think we should do the the you know charity models, St. Jude, Shriner Hospital sort of way. Don't tax people, do good work, get funding through charity. That's my opinion on how to achieve that one particular goal. But there's a lot of goals like that where we where the the so-called left and so-called right we agree on the tenant, we agree on the same goal. Not how to get to that goal. So it's uh, let's see here. It's the end of the first hour. Be back for hour number two in three minutes. Going to kick it off with Dave Summerall. Be right back, my friends. I've been sleeping on a my pillow pillow for years, and a couple of years ago, I tried the my pillow towels, soft and absorbent, wonderful bath towels. Recently, I got the my Giza Dream sheets, and they are by far the best quality bed sheets I've ever owned. Well, the quilt is pretty awesome, too. New products being added all the time at MyPillow.com, including sandals and slides and pajamas and, well, everything that you need for sleeping. Use the code LIGHTHOUSE at MyPillow.com to save yourself up to 66% off. That's the code LIGHTHOUSE at MyPillow.com. The American dream has become a nightmare. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town. Like a cancer that silently spreading, there's an unspoken fear. We're on our way down. We must eat, 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 we must eat,
birthday back. Hello again, my fellow Patriots and Freedom Fighters. It's the top of the second hour of National Intel Report for Thursday, April 6, 2023. I'm your Thursday host, Peter Seraphine, host of Liberty Lighthouse. Anywhere else that you're hearing this. Don't forget that free speech is not free. Support free speech. Support free speech networks. Support, well, support me. I need your help. I'm losing my socks doing this thing. It's kind of funny. I've been doing this. I just figured this out the other day. I've been doing this show for five years. Well, I've been doing my show for five years. I've only been on on uh, RBN for coming up on a year, I think. I don't know. Mike would have to look that up. I don't remember. But, yeah, I'm I'm losing hundreds of dollars every year. I just figured it out, you know, a couple of weeks ago, did my taxes. I'm like, oh, look, my my revenue from, from uh, you know, sales of merchandise and stuff. Oh, that paid for, for my streaming service so I could bring these lovely video live streams to you. But then just a couple of days ago, I got the bill for my website hosting. And I'm like, oh, crap, I forgot about that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm losing hundreds of dollars a year doing this. But I do it anyway because uh, it's not about money. Not everything is about money. So if you could support me, I'd appreciate it. You can go to liberty-lighthouse.com. I don't want your free money. I don't want you to, you know, I'm not asking you to donate or anything like that. I would much rather that you get something for your money. So, you know, buy some merchandise, buy a copy of my book, you know, use a sponsor, go to mypillow.com or the wellness company or right to bear insurance and use the code lighthouse and, uh, and help me out. It's greatly, greatly appreciated. Now, I told you I was going to have Dave Summerall this, uh, well, right now, but he hasn't connected yet. So I'm not exactly sure what's going on, not sure where he is. So I'm going to turn to the news and talk about something that just, just today, the Biden administration review of the, uh, the Afghan withdrawal blamed former President Trump for the chaos of the withdrawal that happened under Biden. There, the, the Biden administration says that, well, well, Trump sent this arbitrary date that this is when we've got to get out, but there was no plan as to how to get out. And, you know, Mr. Lloyd Austin came up there and was like, oh, well, no, we did the best. We did what we had to do, and now the war's over. We can fo- focus on more important stuff. And um, Yeah, they're kind of missing the point. For one, that date had been changed several times through negotiations. Uh, so it probably could have been changed again through proper negotiations if that was the issue. If it was a matter of, yes, we're going to get out. We want to get out. But we just need a little bit more time. You know, hey, the last guy didn't didn't leave us the best plans, and we need a little bit more time. That probably would have worked. But instead, this current administration ignored the advice of at least a couple of the military advisors and just exited. And exited the military before all of the American citizens, the civilian citizens, were out of the country. And oh, by the way, 13 people died in a bombing. And uh, when when this current administration tried to retaliate, he blew up a car, a family in a car on their way to a barbecue. 
or picnic or you know whatever but refuses to take any responsibility for any of it one of the things that that I've noticed and that really bothers me about this current administration is the fact that they continue now two years and three months in four months two years and four months in continue to blame everything on the last guy everything and that should be a problem all of us i you know said before i don't think donald trump was perfect donald trump did a lot of things i liked but he did a lot of things i didn't like and the idea to continuously just blame the other guy is terrible you know like right now there's this there's there's this talk kick it around the idea of banning tiktok the little one minute video social media app well, according to somebody, I, let me think, I think it was the Clay and Buck show, uh, Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. I, I think it was one of those guys who said that, you know, Trump had already banned it, had already banned TikTok. Hadn't taken effect yet, but he'd signed the paperwork. And one of the first things that Joe Biden did when he took office was to undo that ban. Kind of like, you know, we're energy independent as a nation. And one of the first things that President Biden did when he took office was to torpedo our energy independence by canceling the Keystone XL pipeline and, well, basically canceling all new leases on, on land and then arguing about it and eventually having to give in. Oh, let's sell off all of our oil reserves. Oh, by the way, China bought a whole bunch of those, but it's all Trump's fault. Now, I was never a big fan of President Biden. When he was running for office, I constantly was talking about his track record as senator, his track record as a politician in general, how many times he already run for president, and how he had to drop out because he got caught lying. I talked about how Joe Biden, he's an empty vessel who flies with the winds of his party and always has been that way a lot of people out there now are saying well he's senile he's a senile empty vessel he's old and he just goes along with whatever they tell him to do well all of that may be true but the going along with whatever they tell him to do is not new that's what joe biden has always been he doesn't I don't I don't know that he has an original thought in the 50 years in Washington. Everything he's done has been at the whims of his political party. And you can look at his voting record. You can look at his past speeches. He goes one one way on an issue and then a couple of years later he completely flips that issue. You got you know when he was running for president well you ain't black you know don't know whether to vote for me or Trump, but you go back a few years, go back to the 70s or 80s, whenever it was when he talked about the racial jungle of integrating schools. All of that aside, 
I, I already did not like Joe Biden, is my point of that. But now, he's been in office for two years, four months, or a couple of days short of four months. And he refuses to take responsibility for anything and blames everything on the previous administration. And I do mean everything. I don't understand why. Maybe that's why his own party is starting to say, well, we don't want him to run. You know, my beautiful wife is, is registered as a Democrat, and she was saying something about the primary and how she wants to vote for basically anybody but Joe. Now, say she's a registered Democrat. She's not one of these crazy progressive Democrats. She doesn't believe in the ridiculous progressive agenda that's being put by Democrat leadership. I think there's a lot of Democrats out there like that. They're Democratic ideals, but not the progressive leadership stuff. I think there's a lot of people... Like like Brent was talking about in the last uh, in the last segment, Brent Ambachak talking about how this one particular lady went along with pretty much everything on the Republican side, all conservative values, except for that one thing: the uh, the abortion issue. And because of that one issue. Because she was pro-abortion, because of that one issue, she would never vote for a candidate who aligned with the other 90-whatever percent of her values. That one issue was so important to them. So, yeah. I don't, I don't understand how this president can get, can not only be the chameleon that he is and go wherever he wants to go with whatever, just lead, you know, the political wins, but how he can continue after all this time to blame everything on the previous administration. And he's, he was supposed to be the, the great unifier, the great uniter, going to reach across and be bipartisan and do all that. I think he's been one of the most divisive presidents of my own lifetime. I just, I didn't grab the audio, but I should have. Um, I think it was yesterday. Maybe it was Tuesday. I'm pretty sure it was yesterday. The um, Corinne Jean-Pierre, the press secretary, being being grilled pretty hard by uh, one of the reporters talking about why Joe Biden and the White House wouldn't make a statement regarding President Trump's indictment, but made all kinds of statements about January 6th. And I don't know how that became the comparative or not, but I sat there like really wishing, really hoping that reporter would have, would have um, said, well, You say, you, the White House, you say you're not going to talk about an ongoing criminal case. That's not appropriate. I agree, it's not appropriate. But but the president did talk about many other ongoing criminal cases, not just related to January 6th. 
also, um, you know, the, the Derek Chauvin and, and like several cases he's talked about. And before the jury went away to deliberate. So that reporter missed an opportunity, in my opinion, to point out the hypocrisy, but that's what happens all the time. Anyway, go back to the phone lines. We got Sarah in Oregon on line one. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Hi. Hello. What's up? Not much. Um, you need to know, yeah, because this transgender agenda has gone far enough. We need to start fighting back against these freaks. They're starting. Okay, to so how do we do that? By not buying, buying their what they're selling. Not buying what they're selling. So, for example, Bud Light. Don't buy Bud Light yeah. because they had, uh, you know, Dylan, Dylan Mulvaney, Mulvaney as. <laughs> well, I think that's already happening. Um, I woke up this morning to to uh, tons of images and videos in my social media streams about. Uh, about you know Bud Light, where there's the you know Ted Cruz or not Ted Cruz, <laughs> what's this uh, Ted Nugent, you know like shooting a Bud Light can, and and there was, was also uh, that was Kid Rock. Oh, that was Kid Rock. You're right. That was Kid Rock. There was guns involved. I just assumed it was Ted Nugent, but yeah, you're right. It was Kid Rock. Um, but but one of my favorite ones I'm gonna have was, to wrap, was I'm going to have to wrap this call up pretty soon. <laughs> I was going to say one of my favorite ones was just a picture of all of the Bud Light on the store shelf and then, like, you know, the big empty spot where the Coors Light was supposed to go. Yeah. I thought that was good. And make sure you share the show out today. Free speech. Thanks, Sarah. Bye. Bye. So, yeah, how do we fight back? Of course, you know, we can try to get these laws passed. We can try to get these ones these, you know, no men in, in women's sports laws, but there are other places that are going to pass the opposite law, saying that, you know, gender identity is whatever they want it to be. So how do you fight up, fight against it? One way is fight with your wallets. Like Sarah just said, you got Bud Light coming out doing the trans, you know, the, the Dylan, Dylan Mulvaney trans spokesperson. If you're a beer drinker, don't drink Bud Light. It's that simple. You know, that's that's really not the right side thing to do. You know, the, the conservatives, the Republicans, generally speaking, we don't do the whole boycott thing that, you know, the, the left side is much better at that as a group. But, uh, yeah, maybe don't frame it as a boycott. Just don't buy it yourself. I don't drink beer. I don't have that problem. I drink whiskey. And I, I recently just reached out to a whiskey company. I found a new whiskey that I really like. It's Kinsey. I'm going to give him a free plug here. Kinsey, which is made by New Liberty Distilling in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. They, generally speaking, not a huge fan of rye whiskey, which is odd because I live in the middle of Pennsylvania, which is kind of the home of rye whiskey, where all Pennsylvania whiskeys were rye whiskeys for the longest time. This uh, New Liberty Distillery Distillery, and Kinsey Whiskey does a great rye that's really smooth and easy to drink. 
and they do an American and they do a bourbon. They do just good whiskeys. And so free plug to Kinsey whiskeys out of new Liberty distilling in Philadelphia. Love them. So yeah. Anyway, where were we? Uh, I was just bashing on, uh, on Joe Biden. And then we got the trans thing and the, and the saying, you know, Sarah brings up the trans thing and that kind of ties us back to where we started the show, which was, this whole Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We have climbed as a society and as individuals, we have climbed so high up this list that we, we've given up on the bottom stuff. And the bottom stuff is going to crush us. We're good. We've forgotten about it. We have forgotten about our safety and security needs. And we don't pay any attention to our physiological needs anymore. You know, air, food, water, shelter, those things are all here in the United States and so plentiful. Well, they are now. But the longer we as a society and our political leaders, the longer they focus on this, this, the stuff at the top of this, this transgender ideology and this, this, push that everything be racist and oh my god america is such a horrible society and uh, we need reparations and all of that kind of stuff as long as we keep that stuff in the news eventually everything's going to crash and we're going to end up back here at the bottom again we're going to have to start over when our money is not worth anything anymore then basic water food shelter sleeping clothing needs are going to become important to us again. You know, I, I go back and I I compare the United States to, to the fall of the Roman Empire often. I think it's, a, it's an easy parallel to make on, on many ways. When, I mean, the, the, there's the parallel on the money side, you know, the, the Roman denarii, which, which was a silver coin, that as time went on, had less and less and less silver in it until toward the end of the Roman Empire, there was almost no silver in it. And then uh, there's also comparatives on the, on the social side. The, the gluttony, the me, 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 the, the what, self-centered everything about it, the, perva- the, the provision, the perversion of it, people cross-dressing, men that you couldn't tell from women and women that you couldn't tell from men walking the streets of Rome, kind of like today. And there's the whole, the welfare state of it. Toward the end of the Roman Empire, Rome had become almost a complete welfare state. They, it started out, you know, in the Roman city where the, the government was giving loaves of bread. And then eventually it got to be that it was people quitting their jobs just 
so they could get free loaves of bread. And then it got to be the fact that, you know, the, the government was setting the price for the grain and the farmers couldn't produce the grain to make the bread at the price the government set. So overregulation. Overregulation, welfare state, depravity in the streets, fake currency that doesn't have any value anymore. Am I the only one that sees all of these parallels piling on top of each other? These were all signs of the end of the Roman Empire that lasted. How long did the Roman Empire last? I don't remember. Anyway, Francis in North Carolina, you don't have long, but welcome to the show. Well, that's nice to know. <laughs> hey, kiddo. Um, I'm trying to think of the lady's name that just called in a moment or two ago about the uh, uh, um, various companies using someone who is a cross-dresser or whatever, uh, advertising their items and so forth. I don't know what her, I don't recall what her name was. Sarah. Sarah, um, you go, gal, you go. Um, I have to applaud her on that because, you know, unless the person, unless the public can identify, verify that the person is either a man or a woman, guess what? I don't care how pretty they make the uh, model look that's advertising the booze or food or who knows what to the public. Uh, if it is if found out that the person's uh, either one or the other, then... Boycott it. I mean, flat out. Enough of this uh, 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 gender, this sex fluid crap. I mean, if someone's going to change their sex, fine. Go ahead. Go change your sex. Happy la la with your life. And leave everybody else bloody hell alone. Because, quite frankly, if I recall, looking back in history of people who changed their sex, they went about their lives, generally were quiet, unless they were a celebrity or something, or end up with notoriety they didn't want, for that matter, uh, and so forth. I mean, I could name some royalties that uh, that you would probably recognize. Christine Jorgensen, Renee Richards, um, just to name a couple, and so forth. Of course, there's others, but hey, that's, that's neither here nor there. But to go and broadcast this, it's getting to be absurd, and who knows how much these people are getting paid to do it. Obviously, if, if some beer company is paying this, person that's uh, making out that they're a woman and they've got uh, a male penis and balls, I mean, come on. Give me a break. You honestly think I'm going to drink a beer by that, from that company that uses someone who can't make up their mind what sex they are and they're basically a cross-dresser uh, to, to advertise their brew? I don't think so. I mean, that's well, I ridiculous. Think, yeah. I, I, I think just a second ago you were hitting on one of the primary differences between supposedly the left and right of, of we, the oh, people, great tell. the primary difference being most of us on the right. I don't give a crap what you do to your own <laughs> stuff. You can wear whatever clothes you want. You could chop parts off. You could sew parts on. I don't care when I start to care is when you shove it in my face all the freaking time. Thank when you. you put it in front of my children. When when you want to, inf- you know, 
push it into all the television shows and the advertising and everything else. Okay. Hey, you hear the music, Francis? How do you all want your Corona? Oh, lime, coconut, and pineapple, and all the variants. <laughs> Thank you very much. Be back in three minutes, my friends. nominated for his COVID-19 treatment protocols. The late Dr. Zelenko created Z-Stack to help boost your immune system. And when you order Z-Stack, you're not only boosting your immune system, you're also supporting Freedom Fighters Foundation. So boost your immune system by going to ZStackLife.com and use the code LIGHTHOUSE. Be healthier. Support the Freedom Fighters Foundation. Use the code LIGHTHOUSE at ZStackLife.com. Deep in the heart of Texas, back in 18 and 30. It's the final segment of National Intel Report on Republic Broadcasting Network for Thursday, April 6th. Liberty Lighthouse, anywhere else you listen to it. Do me a favor. If you're watching on video or if you, uh, you know, wherever you're, if you're listening live via satellite, any of those things, just do me a little, one little favor. Find the podcast. Find the Liberty Lighthouse podcast someplace and hit the subscribe button. I'd greatly appreciate it. If you really like me, then you can leave me a review, hit the little star button, whatever. I appreciate all of those things. You can find all of that information at my website, liberty-lighthouse.com. So a couple of things that I looked up during the break. For one, uh, Mr. Mike, my wonderful producer, says that my anniversary as the Thursday host of National Intel Report is coming up on May 11th will be a full year here. So, hey, that sounds like a good time for you, the listeners on the RBN side, those of you that are listening to me live on Thursday night, let uh, well, let RBN know whether you want me to continue. Do you like me or not? Should I st- stick around or should they give me the boot? One year anniversary. If I haven't won you over in a year, I don't think I'm ever going to. So why don't you uh, call into the sh- call into the to the network and let them know if you want to uh, keep me around or not. The other thing was, you know, I was talking about the fall of the Roman Empire and some of the parallels to our current societal norms. And I said out loud, you know, how long did the Roman Empire last? And I, I really couldn't remember that answer. So I looked it up. It was almost 1,500 years. It was, it was really close. And they felt that look and so I was just listed out we talked the, the homosexuality or multi sexuality or whatever, the orgies, the, the gluttony, all of that stuff. And there was the 
manipulation of the currency and taking the silver out of the coins. And there's just so many things that parallel to what we're going through now. And I'm not the smartest guy on the planet. I might be the smartest guy in this room. And I can honestly say that because I'm the only guy in this room. Like I'm, I'm in my own personal home studio and I'm the only person here. So I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm the smartest guy here, but I know that there's a whole lot of you out there smarter than me. I never went to college and I can see this stuff. Why aren't more people seeing it? It's so glaringly obvious to me. Well, I don't know. Let's go to the phones. Mr. Chris Steiner on line three. Welcome to National Intel Report. Hey, Peter Serafine. How are you? I am well. How are you? Oh, I'm super duper darn decent. And uh, <laughs> I think that uh, people ought to um, call, in to, or call in to talk shows that are trying to um, give uh, the woke ideology and and uh, that's what I've been doing, but uh, I think that there's there's a real lack of folks doing so, trying to reach out, like uh, your guest was advising, and uh, maybe people are afraid because they're. Well, I mean, they told me they they couldn't handle calling into these shows. That, you know, they they know how willfully ignorant they are, and yes, they often can be, but uh, you know, you have to have a mindset of concern for them. You you know how to speak to their own self-interest, right? If if you try to motivate them to do what's best for them. And and that's what I've been trying to do on the uh, trans issue is, is point out, look, uh, maybe they're, this is a manifestation of toxicity, just like we all have. Uh, we all have so many environmental toxins that we have to fend off. And they need to uh, check out their hormones because that's messed up by toxicity. Um, and I cover on my last show, by the way, this past Sunday, um, at the Liberation Station here. Oh, on yeah. RPN. Well, there's, there's definitely some of that. Pardon me? What was that? I was going to say there's definitely some of that. I mean, there's been tests over and over again. The the the, uh, the testosterone levels of men are, are declining for the first time ever. They're, they're like at the lowest point since World War II. And there's all right. the uh, the documentation about you know, soy being in everything and how soy, you know, messes with with the hormones of a man because it, it it's uh, it mimics estrogen. There's all kinds of stuff like that going yeah. on. Right. Yeah, I cover stuff like that on my last show: the chemical estrogen mimickers, the phthalates, the bisphenols, um, and uh, you know, just heavy metals and, and toxins cause the disruption of the hormones and and then that can cause cancer so uh you know hormonally induced cancers that are very difficult to treat unless you balance your hormones like uh, pancreatic breast testicular ovarian endometrial um, uterine uh and i might be missing a few but uh or prostate um and so uh you know I, I mentioned on my last show things like uh dim is a supplement you could take or get it from cruciferous vegetables um sloan kettering uh, Memorial Hospital recommends it on their site for uh, fighting these types of cancers. And, and so I'm calling into talk shows, trying to point this out. And, of course, some of them are resistant, uh, apparently, I would assume, because they don't want to shrink their numbers. But, uh, hey, if you're dying from cancer, that's going to shrink your numbers. <laughs> so 
if you if you have blood test results that come across as a species with which you identify, then uh, I'll accept you as that species. But if you look like a human, according to your blood test, then you should uh, take care of yourself. And so, you know, I've, I've pointed this out calling into uh, um, a show on uh, community-sponsored stations. I recommend other people do the same uh, if they're if they're able to hold it together and, and speak respectfully. <laughs> but, uh, you know, know, know that... Uh, Hey, if they're if they try to misinterpret what you're saying, then cut them off, or you know, try to say you're trying to change people, and say no, I'm trying to keep them just the way they are, right? <laughs> you're right. the ones who are Even trying the way to they were born. allow people to be changed. Well, What's that? I, I said you're trying to keep them the way that they were born. Um, I I don't know if you were listening last week, but last week I had uh, Dr. Jen Vandewater on from the wellness company, and we started the conversation talking about vaccines. And that's another thing that is changing society in a very, very bad way. Uh, One of the charts that I pulled up and was showing was, you know, in the late 1940s, there were four vaccines recommended by the government for people. Um, And it was actually only two shots. Three of them were together in one shot. So it was two shots for four vaccines in the 1940s. And as of now, actually, no, let me rephrase that. The last, I think the the chart I used was from 2015. So as of 2015, there were 69 vaccines recommended by the government. 49 of them were recommended before age six. You know, by the way, it seems to be the more vaccines that we're giving to people and requiring them to get before they go into school and all of that kind of stuff, the more vaccines we, we push upon the population, the, the more cancer we see, the more allergies we see, the more mental illness we see, the more autism we see. Now, of course, seeing that correlation doesn't necessarily prove causation, but seeing that correlation should be enough to at least inspire somebody to want to look into it. Yeah, they, uh, the theory, I've seen the theory. I don't know if there's any proof uh, someone would like to show that uh, aborted fetal cell lines that they're using to culture the vaccines and, and uh, some of the COVID shots, like AstraZeneca, they are transcribing um you know, if it's a male and a female or vice versa. So, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I tell folks, you know, get nourished and balance your hormones and don't worry about uh, <clears throat> your making permanent decisions with your anatomy until you do so because you might regret it. And, <clears throat> you know, maybe uh, before you have any romantic uh, relationships because people do, uh, I've had some people confess to me privately confide in me that they've changed because they've improved their health and, uh, you know, made these changes. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's I, you don't know how good you're going to feel until you, you try. And, uh, if you don't like the way you are, then go back to consuming those toxins or getting those shots or whatever it is that you are genetically predisposed to, uh, certain toxins to cause you to result in your, Disease. I mean, I don't want somebody to do that, but uh, I have to honor their wishes in the spirit of the 
of Hippocrates to give them all the choices of all the, uh, <clears throat> you know, all their options. And, and uh, if that involves uh, choosing to be sick, then they can choose to be, but uh, they never chose to, you know, willfully uh, chose to in, intake all these, uh, you know, inhale and ingest all these uh, toxins in our environment. Just, uh, you know, I know it sounds callous to say you can go back to the way you were, but uh, I think that they, don't you think that they might um, consider that an honor to them that you really don't want to change them? Well, yeah, I mean, nobody wants to be forced upon in in any way. But there's also, I mean, you look out and you see so many of these young people who were allowed or coerced or whatever the proper terminology is there. So many of these young people who have transitioned from one gender to another are now detransitioning and speaking out about how wrong it was. Um, one young lady, one of the first to become relatively famous, and her name is escaping me right now, who, who's out there. She was a girl who wanted to be a boy and went through the whole process had a double mastectomy, was on hormone-blocking uh, stuff as a teenager, and then eventually switched over to being on testosterone. And it, to me, what was really interesting about that was her description of her mood and emotions while she was on testosterone versus while she wasn't. Right. And it, it was just shocking of, of you know, what a powerful hormone that is and if you put it in somebody who's not built for it what it does so yeah it makes you very yeah. angry even if it's natural to even if it's naturally made like uh for uh tribulus terrestris by the way is an herb that is a very potent um precursor i'm not sure if it's a precursor or at least stimulates your body to produce uh, testosterone and uh yeah i've noticed if i take too much then uh i'll be quite uh, irritable which i don't like to be so um but uh yeah you know it's a lot better than taking the synthetic stuff though like the androgel or um i don't know if you call it a trainee fluid or not but uh, it'll shrink <laughs> the, uh, the testicles and uh on the opposite you know when you produce it endogenously or naturally in your body with uh, things like tribulus terrestris then um, actually increase a study shows that increases testicular size in rodents and uh, I'll confess to the same thing not that uh, you know I'm, I, I I would like to be modest but I think the audience ought to know that yeah that, that that's something that you can do to uh, counteract it and uh, you know it's a mood booster as well when you're when you have a decent libido, or at least you're able to direct it um, towards, uh, you know, you're focused on on your, um, I mean, I use it for focus, my, you know, motivation and, and uh, you know, direct my energy uh, towards, uh, you know, having con confidently taking action, I guess, uh, is the best way to say that it affects me. But, um, you know, I, when I take too much, I act a little unprofessional, I guess, but, yeah, yeah, I know. There's the, yeah, the studies as well. It makes me with the testosterone making people irritable and uh, worried about the shooter. So, uh, you know, it's it's a matter I think of showing concern that you know I I don't want to I want you to be well so I don't have to uh, defend myself against you with a firearm in the future. <laughs> I don't want to I want to convince you to be well so that I don't have to meet you on the street someday and 
and or me or somebody else and have to uh, deal with the ugly situation. Well, there were there were other things that this the detransitioner um, talked about, like crying, like that. Once she was taking testosterone, it was almost impossible for her to cry. And when she did cry, it didn't have nearly the emotional release that it did when she was, you know, fully a, a girl without the testosterone, which I thought was a very interesting observation for her to make. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it messes, you know, hormones mess with us all. And vaccines mess with our hormones. Our diet is huge in our health. And the diet that that most of us are on here in the United States is is pathetic. It's not made for actual health. It's made for sustenance at best. Right, exactly. And, and you have uh, Dylan Mulvaney uh, sitting in his bathtub drinking alone, binge drinking apparently because he has a bunch of uh, uh, yeah. healthy drinks uh, stacked up next to him. Um, you know, Bud Light. Uh, you know, real healthy there. Right. So, you know, showing that and I'm not criticizing him for being who he is, but or uh, acting the way he is, dressing as he is. But uh, that's pretty unhealthy behavior. You know, uh, he has. If you have haven't seen the video where he's uh, taking a bath and he's uh, dancing and drinking alone as Bud Light with probably a um, couple dozen uh, cans stacked up next to him. Yeah, on, on some big fancy rack that almost looks like it was made just for those cans. I, I saw that. Um, right, not even bottles. But can, you know, I mean, how healthy is that? Anyway. <laughs> well, I want to say thank you very much. We, You and I have had a couple of text message type chats back and forth, but I don't think I'd ever actually had a conversation with you before. So thank you very much for your call, Chris. Thanks, Peter. Everybody go check out Liberation Station on Sunday on Republic Broadcasting Network. You can hear more of Chris and his brilliant insight. All right. One of the news headlines that caught my eye that I, I, I don't know how to segue into this. It's a completely different thing. It's completely off the topic of where we were for pretty much everything we've talked about so far tonight. Um. Tennessee, Ten, the Tennessee House of Representatives has voted to expel one of its own members. And there's two more that are probably going to get expelled. They're at least going to vote and they're going to have the debate and the argument. These three members, well, they're being voted on, ex, expelled, removed from the House of Representatives because they led gun control protests with blowhorns after the, uh, the shooting on last Monday. And this, this particular headline kind of caught my eye, and I'd really, I'd like to talk to somebody about this, because I'm not sure how to feel about it. So uh, 512-248-8252 or 800-313-9443. I'd like to hear your opinion about because I'm, I'm torn as to whether or not this is the right thing to do. So the background of the story is these three members of the Tennessee House helped lead this, organize and lead this, this big protest pushing for 
more gun control. How do I, I don't know how I feel about elective representatives leading political demonstrations. Is it their job to lead political demonstrations in the public? Or is it their job to pay attention to the political demonstrations, act on what may or may not come of the political demonstrations? I'm not sure if it's their if if it's right for them to be out front leading. But I'm also not sure that it's wrong enough that they should be removed from their elected seats. And I don't know how to think about it. I'm not sure how to parse that conundrum, that dilemma. So I was really kind of hoping that maybe one of you smart people out there listening or watching might have a perspective that I haven't thought of as to why this is wrong or right or whatever. I'm not sure. Ah, but when Chris was on the phone, I mentioned the wellness company with, uh, with Dr. Jen Vandewater. And I wanted to say, you know, it's really funny. I brought Dr. Jen on to the, to the wellness company because I liked what the wellness company was doing, but I didn't realize that they had an affiliate program. So I am now a proud affiliate of the wellness company. So if you need to talk to a doctor, if you want, I don't know, a, uh, a waiver for vaccines for you or your kids, or maybe you want to just talk to a doctor that you know is not part of the big mil- uh, government corporate medical system, a doctor who actually is concerned about health care, then you can visit the wellness company and, well, you can talk to a doctor without becoming a member. Or if you become a member for as little as $99 a year, you get to pay less when you talk to a doctor. That's one side of it is members get a discount when they're talking to doctors, but you can call... Talk, call and talk to a doctor without being a member. And the other side of it is their supplements line. They've got quite a few of them. They carry Dr. Zelenko's Z-Stack and Z-Detox and Z-Flu and all of those things. And have all of their own things like spike support to help get rid of the spike proteins that you may have picked up from COVID or the vaccine or shedding, if that's really a thing. I don't know. So that's the other side of it is this line of supplements. And this line of supplements that they produce is uh, also, if you're a member for that $99 a year, you get a discounted rate on all of those supplements as well. So I'm proud to announce that I am partnering with the wellness company and becoming an affiliate with them. So if you go to wellness company, TWC, the wellness company, TWC.health, Please remember to use the code LIGHTHOUSE when you're there. I'd greatly appreciate that. And having that, having said that, you know, something I've wanted to say for quite a while about sponsorships in general. I complain that I don't really make anybody doing this. I jokingly complain about it sometimes, but it's relatively true. I don't make enough money to actually pay for what I do. But I also 
don't want to just make money for the sake of making money. All of the of things that I announce and advertisers that I use are all companies I've done business with or companies that I really believe in their product or service. So the wellness company, I haven't used them myself yet, but I believe in what they do. Romika Designs, the laser engraving company, I have used them. I have purchased from them. And oh, by the way, Mother's Day is coming up really soon. And you know, custom engraved or laser cut gifts are great for Mother's Day. So romikadesigns.com, use the code Lighthouse there. I wanted to say that, you know, I talk about all of these sponsors are either products or services that I've actually used except wellness company, which I haven't used yet, but I do plan to. I will do that very, very soon. So I guess we don't have any time for any more phone calls. I I was hoping to get somebody else's opinion about the whole Tennessee house people getting expelled, but I I guess I don't have time for that. There's only five minutes left or so. But I'm still torn. Is it the job of an elected leader to lead political movements, or is it their job to react to political movements? I'm I'm really not sure. And either way, Is being too involved in the political movement in your area reason to be removed from your elected seat? I'm not sure. I don't know. But I think it's something worth thinking about. Um, I'm sorry I didn't get to Dave Summerall at stophate.com tonight. He didn't show up. I emailed him during the last break and said, hey, I hope you're okay. Uh, you, you missed your missed your cue. I haven't got an answer back. I, I hope he's okay. But he was just on uh, Tucker Carlson like last week. I wanted to talk about that and, and say, you know, congratulations. Um, Tucker Carlson playing all of those uh, short bits of the January 6th videos, I think it's probably helped the January 6th Victims Fund uh, probably helped quite a bit. And hopefully Dave Summerall, who's basically the face of the justice for the January 6th crowd, January 6th prisoners crowd, he's basically the face of that movement. So hopefully his his visit on Tucker Carlson and, and the fact that Tucker Carlson is releasing those videos that showed the opposite of what the January 6th commission had showed, hopefully those things are working out well for Dave Summerall. And the reason that he isn't here tonight is because he was on somebody else's much bigger, much more famous show. And uh, I wouldn't be offended by that at all. Other news stories uh, that I, I had talked about or looked at, and I completely lost him. I'm running out of time. You got the whole Chinese thing going on. We got we got the Speaker of the House meeting with the Taiwanese president, and then now the Chinese are you know announcing exercises, and and in that announcement of of naval exercises, there's 
claiming for themselves the authority to board ships in the area. That is a problem. They've claimed for themselves the authority to board ships in international waters, and that's bordering on, uh, on hostile, shall we say. I won't say bordering on acts of war or anything like that, but they're really starting to push the envelope. And one of the things, going all the way back to the founding of this country, we have patrolled naval maritime law pretty aggressively as a nation. And the idea that China is even willing to make that announcement, that they're, they're claiming the right to board vis- vessels because of their exercises, board vessels in international waters, that's aggressive. And given the American history of enforcing maritime rules, that could be heading us down a very, very dangerous path. Anyway, if you're listening live on Republic Broadcasting Network, stay tuned for Edge of Darkness with Jeffrey Bennett. Thank you to uh, Brent Hamachak for joining us this evening. Thanks to you, Mike, the producer. Could not do the show without you. Thank you, listeners and callers. You're why we do this show. And until next week, protect your liberties. Once they're gone, there's no getting them back. God bless America. We must take America back. We must take America back. I'm proud to be partnering with Cedar Mill Fine Firearms. Cedar Mill Fine Firearms does some of the coolest firearms cases you'll find anywhere. Have you ever wanted to carry your AR-15 discreetly? How about a rifle case that looks like a guitar case until you open it up? Go to cedarmillfirearms.com and use the code LIGHTHOUSE the next time you're looking for a cleaning kit or a case to carry your firearms. That's cedarmillfirearms.com and use the code LIGHTHOUSE.